0: Hello, I'm Naka Kondo at Economist Impact. Welcome to our Back to Blue podcast, brought to you by Back to Blue, an ocean health initiative of Economist Impact and the Nippon Foundation. The World Ocean Summit is an annual global event run by The Economist Group, which brings together the wide ocean community, from businesses, finance to governments, national and international policymakers, civil society, and academia. This year, we've celebrated the 10th anniversary of this event in Lisbon, Portugal. So today, I'm very happy to be joined by my colleague, Martin Kering, who is the head of the World Ocean Initiative at Economist Impact and also the chair of the summit this year. We'll be hearing from Martin's key takeaways from the summit and the experience this year. Welcome, Martin. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Naka. It's great to be with you.
0: So I understand this was the first in-person World Ocean Summit since 2019. How was it? And what were your impressions being back in person at such a major event?
1: Yeah, Naka, it it was really great to be back in person. I mean, the energy, the enthusiasm. As you know, we continue to have very vibrant and insightful events online. But it's such a different kind of atmosphere, you know, when you run these events Online, and it was just amazing to have this event in Lisbon as well, which is such an appropriate place, in Portugal's capital. There's a rich maritime history. We had almost 1,500 registrations, which is absolutely incredible. And we had almost 200 speakers at a very high level, as you know, from business, policy, civil society, academia, really kind of bringing leaders together. And it was also the depth and breadth of topics was just great. I mean, you had different tracks as well. We were looking at ocean and climate, for example. We had a special city track with an investment focus as well. And, and the sessions were just really insightful. You're looking at topics like how can we close the finance gap to meet SDG 14, which, as you know, is the most underinvested SDG at the moment. But also looking at how the ocean can really help to meet all of the SDGs, really but also looking at things like scaling private sector finance, and then also really looking at investment opportunities and innovations as well, like blue biotechnology, for example, but also looking at blue carbon projects, which is really something that is up and coming. So it's really about bringing the business community, the policymakers and civil society and the scientists together to really develop together these kind of solutions that we need to accelerate ocean action. And As you know, there was also at the same time as we held our summit, we also had in New York policymakers at the UN coming together to look at the high seas treaty, which has been negotiated for almost 20 years. There is this real ocean momentum. Leaders actually agreed on this treaty, which is absolutely vital to ensure that the world came back on track to meet the 30 by 30 pledge which is really about protecting 30% of the ocean by 2030, which, as you know, had been agreed at the UN Biodiversity Conference December last year. So all in all, it was really great to be back in person and also see all this momentum and excitement around the ocean.
0: Yes, I mean, I was very excited to hear of that news as well and to really feel the momentum. And I think it's really important that everybody feels this and sees this in person. So it's very good to hear that it was a huge success. And so, for instance, for you personally, what were some of the key takeaways from the summit? What were particularly interesting things that you've encountered? Any emerging themes or anything you want to share with our audience?
1: Yeah, so Naka, I think there are a couple of themes that emerged that were kind of cross-cutting that we heard several times in different contexts, so they really stood out. So one is this need for speed, but also for scale when it comes to ocean innovation. And both are really important, but in funding, both really come through. I mean, one is obviously we just discussed the High Seas Treaty, which helps to build this regulatory framework for the ocean. But then there's also the diverse blue finance source that we need to really scale up solutions and to build that momentum that we need for speed as well, which is absolutely vital because now we are in 2023 and we have still a lot of targets, particularly SDG 14, that we need to meet by 2030. So speed and scale are absolutely important. And for that, there was a discussion around how can we bring in the so-called missing middle, which is a phenomenon that we see not just in the ocean, but more broadly in climate biodiversity-related conversations, is really about there's funding for smaller-scale, early-stage investments to help kind of small and medium-sized enterprises, which is really vital for the ocean economy. And then there's big investments, huge investment flows going into, for example, Ocean protection and these kind of things, but there's this missing middle, which was really highlighted, which is about those kind of mid-sized investment, mid-sized companies, mid-sized innovations that are really going to be the backbone of the ocean economy. And in order, to really, for that to happen and to build that speed and scale, there's technical assistance available. We had the UN Joint SDG Fund in one of our panels, and they really highlighted that there is this capacity building is happening. Uh, the multilateral development banks are there to help built this kind of initial seed funding to help de-risk investments to pave the way for private finance flows. So it is happening, but it needs to be scaled up. And then there's also the need to really look at the ocean economy in a more people centered way. As you know, we all focus on things like how to deal with climate change and biodiversity loss and marine ecosystems. And that's absolutely crucial to have this focus on marine ecosystems. And then there's also that more kind of abstract focus on the different kind of blue finance and the regulatory framework and how can we bring ocean industries to life in the ocean economy. But ultimately, it's about being people-centered, and that yet you could really see when you are there in person, that we need to make sure that the ocean economy is people-centered. So looking at workers' rights, looking at human rights in the high seas, for example, engaging with local communities, building, when you build marine protected areas, how are local communities integrated in that process, for example? How can you work with consumers when you build circular economy for plastics? And as you know, with Back to Blue, there's this focus on plastics, for example, and chemicals. But for that, you need to work with people. You need to work with the agricultural sector. You need to work with people that work in farming. You need to work with city officials. You need to work with consumers so that people-centered ocean economy really came through as one of the key themes. And then there's also something more around the blue carbon opportunity that I mentioned earlier. So blue carbon is something that we are very passionate about at, at the World Ocean Initiative. And this is really about making sure that these natural ecosystems and marine natural capital is fully appreciated. So, for example, seagrass and mangrove forests and tidal marshes. And these ecosystems are very important, uh, not just to sequester carbon, but they're also important to help clean up the ocean. They absorb nutrients. They also build this amazing opportunity around the ecosystem that they build that have lots of biodiversity. Like, For example, if you look at seagrass, there's all this flourishing biodiversity around seagrass. It's really important to highlight that these ecosystems are not just there for capturing carbon. They also have these benefits for uh, protecting from storm surges and other things. So blue carbon is critical. But you might have heard of this backlash recently against carbon credits more broadly. And There was an investigative journalist piece that highlighted that many of those carbon credits are actually based on that some of them are actually fake some of them are not based on proper certification and so on and i spoke with one of the godfathers of uh, blue carbon you know carlos duarte he's a professor at king abdullah university of science and technology and, and he talked about the need to really provide these high quality carbon credits the need for setting a minimum price for carbon co-creating these kind of projects with local communities but also building transparency in certification so blue carbon is another key topic we discussed and one thing that is, is is another key takeaway for me from the summit, is the size of the blue economy and the opportunity of the blue economy. Because you might have heard of this number that gets floated around, you know, $2.5 trillion per year economic output of the ocean economy. But if you look at all of the interconnected value chains, they look at the ocean community more broadly, looking at, as you know, know, around 90% of global trade flows through the ocean. But also there are all these value chains, for example, retail value chains that depend on the ocean economy as well. And as we have a new taxonomy for what a sustainable activity is, for example, in the European Union, there will be more pressure to look at value chains more broadly. And when you look at that, the ocean is actually much bigger. and The size of the economy is much more important than it currently is quoted as. And actually, we released a report, the World Ocean Outlook 2023, during the summit that highlights some of these opportunities that go beyond a very narrow view of the ocean economy. So have a look at that report on our website as well as further reading. So in terms of other highlights, there's a focus on open innovation. So we look at how can we innovate better? Uh, how can we share data and how can we collaborate better? Several sessions looked at this need for open innovation. So for example, when you look at things like seafood farming or harnessing technology to combat illegal, unreported, unregulated fishing, if you look at the, you know plastic circularity, you need to innovate more openly. And the final, but potentially even most important takeaway for me was that when you talk about all these topics, ultimately what needs to happen is system change. The current system that we have, economic, social, and so on, is really geared towards undermining the ocean. We shouldn't really be afraid to really work on transforming these complex systems that have led to the ocean's decline and look at working with those systemic players to accelerate ocean generation. I mean, one of the Interesting pieces of insight I got from the summit is actually a hearing from Markus Müller. He's the managing director and chief investment officer at ESG at Deutsche Bank, on a major global bank. And he pointed out that it is important to develop disruptive business models, it's important to develop blue finance tools to transform the ocean economy, but ultimately the real game changer is system change. And it was really interesting to hear that from someone in such a leading position at a global major bank. And there was a roundtable at the summit that I chaired, which was about looking at those key criteria for systems approaches for the uh, maritime economy. And we looked at things like what we just discussed, the need for a more human-centered, equitable, resilient ocean economy, looking at building a clear direction towards a sustainable ocean economy, but also there needs to be flexibility within that. different paths, different speeds. We need that regulatory framework that we talked about for thriving ocean business. Open innovation, the pre-competitive data sharing collaboration that we need that is based on trust, pushing for greater ocean literacy as well. And finally, a communication strategy that benefits the sustainable ocean economy to really help that all of the different stakeholders can have that kind of buy-in For this new vision so that's how a systems approach might look like that's my final key finding which i think is potentially the most important one
0: thank you martin we could hear your excitement from all of your takeaways in terms of the obstacles that stand in terms of achieving speed and scale the importance of capturing the issues around ocean economy in a more human-centric way And then, of course, the importance of open innovation and data sharing, which at Back to Blue, also looking at this huge issue of the gap that exists in terms of capturing pollution data and also being able to share. So it's kind of a multi-layered issue there, but that's a really big one to tackle. And ultimately, the system change. So kind of now turning to the delegates What did you see the delegates at the World Ocean Summit identify as the key obstacles to building a sustainable ocean economy?
1: Yeah, so there are still several. One is really that philosophical one, and that's something that we have seen at the World Ocean Initiative as well, which is looking at the ocean economy in this risk framework. I mean, there's a lot of focus on how the ocean Provides all these risks and manifest themselves. Look at, for example, you know, the risk of storm surges. We talked about that in the context of climate change, uh, all these ocean related weather events, uh, sea level rise, which of course is a consequence of global warming and you know, in the, the green and ice cap melting, all these kind of ocean related tipping points, the risk of a collapse of fisheries, risk of plastic. I know you look at this a lot at Back to Blue, plastic pollution as well as chemical pollution the risk of coral reef systems disappearing. So all this is within the lens of risk. And that's a predominant narrative that currently exists still around the ocean economy. And that really holds us back in a way. I mean, it's not that these things are not important. They're actually absolutely critical. And we need to address these issues. But obviously, a lot of these issues don't even originate in the ocean economy. They actually originate on land. They originate because of human activity on land. So it is important that we tackle these issues. But then there's also the opportunity from the ocean economy itself that is often not focused on as much. And actually, the ocean economy can provide solutions for all of the key three interconnected planetary crises that we have, you know, climate change, biodiversity loss, And pollution, if we harness these opportunities. So if we look at, for example, as we said, you know, restoration of marine ecosystems such as seagrass, mangroves, tidal marshes, coral reefs. If we restore these ecosystems, we can actually start tackling climate change in terms of both mitigating climate change, because these ecosystems can help us to absorb carbon, for example, but they can also help us to adapt better to climate change. You know, you don't need to build all this gray infrastructure to protect your city or your coastal community if you have invested in coral reefs, mangrove forests, and seagrass that can actually help to mitigate some of these effects. That is some of the things that came through as one of the obstacles, but also increasingly at events like ours, the World Ocean Summit, we highlight these opportunities. And then there's still the governance issue. I mean, we talked about this in the context of the high seas treaty. I mean, despite that progress, there is still plethora of different regulatory frameworks that deal with the ocean. I mean, there isn't that one overarching ocean framework. We have the International Maritime Organization, for example, we have all these kind of international convention for the law of the sea and all these kind of things. So we, we have that, but it's not really one integrated framework. And the high sea street in a way is a great example of progress. But of course, it's part of a set of of legal frameworks, including one on deep sea mining, there's one on shipping, but there is no global framework yet and there needs to be a better integration of the governance frameworks in order for the ocean economy to function better. And then there is, of course, that, and that's probably one of the biggest issues that delegates mentioned, which is that pipeline of bankable projects. And that comes up a lot at our event and other events. The fact is that there is a lot of money and people say like, you know, there where's the money, where's the investment in the ocean economy? There is actually a lot of money available. I mean, we had the biggest ocean impact fund represented at our summit. They have more than 100 million euros. I mean, you could argue it could be much more of these kind of funds, but I mean, there is a good start in terms of these funds. There's also the Asia Development Bank, which has a 5 billion US dollar program to invest in restoration of the ocean. So money is there. It is the lack of bankable projects. So the projects that are investable where there is a return on investment but also return on impact that is clearly visible. And as you know at the World Ocean Initiative we have our Ocean Change Makers Challenge, which for three years now has identified change makers, people that have come up with great innovations. And we had some really great ideas like Tom Luffler with his Halbot innovation looking at kind of cleaning and inspecting boathouse. We had Miranda Aldrid from Bioform Technologies is looking at kind of new biomaterial based on kelp. And Nadia Fabinas, the co-founder of Lumara Energy in Indonesia, and they look at clean energy through um, ocean thermal energy conversion. So you can see there's lots of innovation, but in a way it's not enough. And there needs to be more of those kind of innovative projects. I know the World Economic Forum also has its uplink challenge. So it is really coming up with those great ideas and then matching them, you know, with the money and and the mentors, which we do through our Ocean Change Maker Search. As you know, last year, we had our very first Ocean Tech and Innovation Summit in Halifax in Canada to help bring those innovators, those people that come up with great ideas together with the established business people and the financiers to help them finance those projects. And then, of course, building these kind of mentor programs to build capacity. But it is that need for bankable projects that is still not there yet, which was identified as one of the obstacles to really accelerate the ocean economy.
0: Thank you so much, Martin. That was super interesting. I mean, to reframe the ocean as not just as a risk factor and the problem that needs to be solved, but potentially as something that can offer solutions to other global issues that we're having. I think that's something that we rarely kind of hear in terms of the narrative. It's always about the risks of investing. To close this off, uh, would you care to tell us a little bit about your work at the World Ocean Initiative? And what is going to come from the World Initiative going forward?
1: Yeah, Dhaka, it's very exciting. I mean, the work that we do is really a bit about, you know, building on some of those findings and actually, you know, really accelerating the sustainable ocean economy and looking at those challenges. And as you know, we do this at the World Ocean Summit, but we also do it throughout the year through the World Ocean Initiative. And as you know, at impacteconomicscom forward slash ocean, you can find all those great information that, and details about how building a sustainable ocean economy can help us address those challenges.
0: Thank you, Martin. Thank you for joining this podcast episode. And thank you for listening. Back to Blue, an initiative of Economist Impact and the NEPAM Foundation, is calling for the public to join our conversation on closing the data gap on ocean pollution. We're hoping to spearhead a coordinated global response to marine pollution and design a roadmap by 2025 to close the marine pollution data gap. And we'd like to hear from you. Visit Back2BlueInitiative.com or the link in the show notes and have your say.